This is a show about facing fear, unlocking courage, and taking action. Courage isn't necessarily a daunting thing. It's going to give you more purpose. It's going to give you more drive. It feels like making a courageous decision is going to get you closer to who you aspire to be. It's knowledge plus faith plus action equals courage. There was this fear and trepidation of like, can you be the leader that you need to be? And the resounding answer after four years, in my opinion, is yes. Yes, I can be. This podcast today is a, it's got a special place for me. And if you listen to the Courageous Podcast, then you know that I've said in the past that you wear many different hats. Depending on the hat that you wear is the role that you play. So me as a keynote speaker on the stage, I have a very different role there than I, than I have as a podcast host, right? As a host, my job is to be disciplined, to be prepared and to ask questions and then get out of the way and have my guests share their stories. But I would be lying if I said today, a different version of me than even a keynote speaker is part of the story. And my, if there's three things that I love and I'm an illiterate junkie, so this is probably not surprising. It's, it's San Diego, it's storytelling, and it's soccer. And three-ish, three-ish years ago, maybe four-ish years ago, I was given the opportunity when a new club in town called San Diego Loyal were just starting and was asked to come in and talk to their executive leadership team about the need for courage. Along that journey, I met their chairman, Andrew Vasiliadis, and um you right now have a, not you, Andrew, but you right now, listener, have an idea of what you think chairman is just when I say chairman. That is not Andrew in the very best ways. Uh, Andrew allowed me a front row seat to like be part of the, the rocket ship of San Diego Loyal. And if you've lived in market and you're a fan, then you know what a special brand this has been for the community. Uh, Av, thank you first of all for like letting me play a small role in all this because it's been a joy to like take all the things I love and to like attempt to put my talents to good use on how does loyal show up in the market and even with you sort of you know, being able to be on your hip with the, some of the other members of the the ELT on the choices that were made for all the right reasons. So I guess I got to start, you know, the season is over. Um, the brand is getting sunset. MLS is coming to town. And like, if I could come through the screen and give you a big digital hug right now, I would do it. We both have matching beards. Are these like, are these morning beards? <laughs> what, what's going on, man? Yeah. I, I think, I think like a snake, you have to shed your skin a little bit. You have to let it grow out and then just freshen up and clean it up when you're ready to shake it off. And I think I'm still going through that initial process of, of grieving and moving past. Give me the, let's start on the the good. Okay. When you think about what you did and what you've built and I, and I know you well enough to know, like you're like, well, Ryan, it wasn't me. You know that it's a lot of us that were in there. <laughs> and so I'm, t- I'm taking that answer immediately off the table. But when you think about, showing up at Torero 
and seeing 6,000 people jumping and wearing scarves and hats. And they're, I mean, there was a ravenous fan base and you're, you know, you and I, we kind of are superstitious fellows where we got to a point where at home games, we would walk together on the, walk the field and it was like a good luck charm. And we'd go do the walk and see all the faces. When you think about the good or the best part about it all, how would you surmise it? Yeah, uh, when we had our final uh, kind of wind down events, we got to spend some time with the players, uh, got to spend some time with the staff, got to spend some time with them together. Uh, one of the things that I made sure everybody heard loud and clear, and this is this may sound silly to some, uh, but for four years, we created magic in that stadium. I'm a giant believer in, in the ability to create magic in the way that Disney does and the way they do in their theme parks and the way that you can apply that to any business and really change people's lives. And I think that's what we did for four years. We provided magic moments both on the field and off the field, and we changed people's lives, um, especially coming out of a pandemic. Not something that was on my mind as we we're going through it, but as you reflect back, um, it was an opportunity for people to come together when they were pulled apart from one another for, for quite a while. And that is something I will treasure forever. I mean, it did just change people's lives. Like it changed my life for sure. You know, I, I, you know, it's like a math problem, like these things that I love and I get to work on. And then you meet people that you love and I'll be the first to say, like, I love you, man. Like it's been like, no, you know, we've, we've, ta too. we've talked, we've talked about it where it's like, yeah, this is bigger than just, a working relationship we become like true friends through this process and i feel the same way about ricardo campos you know i like when i think about many of the other people forrest eber uh a lot of them landon donovan like it's just even to say like you know where it's taking landon and i and with his book coming out somewhere down the line you know shameless plug for that but like it, it's <laughs> cool to like do something that's meaningful and it's it never felt like anything but fueling the soul of, of ourselves and doing what's right for the market. So, all right, as you, maybe we should take a step back. Can right? I speak to that for a second? Can I just say yeah. something to that? I, sure. I, I think it, it was the honest and open conversations that we had along the way while we were creating the business, while we were working on different projects that led to those personal relationships because in order to be open with one another, we had to get to know one another. And in those moments, you get closer and closer. And then you start battling through things and getting through things together. Um, and then the bonds just get closer. And I, I said recently in, a, in an interview, you know, they asked me, do you want success for MLS? And I said, if, there's, if MLS is successful, it means that Ricardo Campos has been successful. And he is family to me now. And it's the relationships that we've built by working together that make me feel that way. Um, so yeah, I just want to touch on that for a second. Yeah, so this good group of people, we got to like do this, this, this thing for a bit, which was awesome. And uh, yeah, in the spirit, in the spirit of courage, if you go back to the beginning, go all the way back to the beginning, and props to like Warren I was playing Smith, a wedding. right? Well, okay, let's <laughs> like think, you know, without Warren Smith, I, I'm not sure I, I would have been part of the original crew, right? So my fellow now commanders fan right like so yeah. you know warren and is it was it warren landon that came, that came to you or was it warren that came to you then landon came next how did that yeah come neither together? of them we came we came to them there was a gentleman that was helping me look at projects 
in town, uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies, who were a USL championship club, were up for sale uh, pre-2018, somewhere around there, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, 2017, 16, something like that. And it was exciting, but I wasn't going to move my family and my life to go do a project in Tampa when the mission was always make San Diego you know, a better place to live, work, and play. Uh, so when we were exploring different opportunities in town, I had come across an article in Sports Illustrated uh, that said that Warren Smith and Landon Donovan had the rights to a USL franchise in San Diego. I reached out to my guy, said, how could you let this slip through the cracks? We're usually on top of everything. He said, check your email. It was obviously me who let things slip through the cracks. <laughs> um, oh, look at that. Uh, I love that. So, uh, yeah. So, what, uh, what Andrew is responding to. What Andrew was responding to, because I know we don't show video, is his Zoom AI just had fireworks going on in the background. Yeah, I don't know what caused that. That was incredible. Um, so he says, check your inbox. The inbox has an email letting me know that there was a meeting being set up to meet with Warren Smith. Not yet Landon, but to meet with Warren. And that's what starts the conversation and then the relationship. But that's the summer of 2019. And by October of 2019, we had agreed to, you know, a business plan and how we were going to move forward. I mean, soccer, let's talk about your love of soccer, where it came from, yeah. why this project, why this project, why here? And and also, if you don't mind, you know, the differences between USL and MLS. Can you just sort of articulate the what are the leagues? Do they play well yeah. together? What are they? Well, which one do you want me to start? Because they're two very different questions. Maybe with MLS and USL, just so people understand what that is, and then let's get into your love of soccer. Yeah. So we have three pro divisions of soccer in the United States. Uh, MLS is in Division One, the USL is in Division Two, and then other leagues like MLS Next Pro and NISA are in Division Three. You are in those divisions based off of how big the league is, how big the stadiums are, uh, all kinds of different factors factor into where you're at. There have been other leagues. I'm sure people may have heard of NASL and some of these other ones that have come and go. USL is the most current Division Two US uh, Division Two US Soccer division out there. MLS Division One. Um, the biggest difference that most people associate U.S. soccer and European soccer is we don't have promotion relegation. There's no way to go up and down uh, outside of monetary uh, you know, payment. Uh, whereas in Europe, you can start at the very lowest divisions and move your way all the way up. Our structure is more of a closed system, not an open system. Um, so those are the biggest differences between the two leagues. At a time, they were working kind of hand in hand. Both needed one another. Um, but in today's structure, um, the relationship isn't as kind as it once was. Well, and then San Diego, I mean, there's no, at this point, there's not a USL team. There's not an MLS team. You hear this thing from Warren. Why, give me like the, did you play the game or was this like a family thing? Yeah. So um, for me, it was definitely, it started with a family thing. My father was an immigrant to this country from Greece. He had an opportunity to play professional soccer uh in greece but after world war ii made the decision that pursuing his education in the united states was more important uh ends up at san diego state gets his education there uh and then starts his family and business in san diego um so i grew up with a soccer ball i did not grow up with a, a baseball or a basketball or a football 
Um, at that time, we're talking, you know, 83 to the mid to late 90s. We have a very successful indoor soccer team here, the San Diego Soccers. Um, and that was really my way to see the game and and enjoy it in a professional setting outside outside of playing on my own. Uh, played all the way through high school. Um, but then my opportunity to play kind of died. Uh, so I had the opportunity to get into coaching. Coaching brought me back into just kind of soccer circles. I was coaching both soccer and volleyball. Uh, so you meet different people from different, you know, different scenarios. Uh, and a gentleman who was from the San Diego soccers, his name is George Catacolitis. Uh, he became a business entrepreneur in San Diego, um, knew him through the church here in San Diego. Uh, and he reached out and said, hey, there's this opportunity to bring uh, professional soccer to Tampa Bay. Well, it was already in Tampa, but to kind of take over ownership of that group. Uh, and that kind of got me excited as an opportunity of getting back involved into the sport I loved in a more professional manner. Um, but once I explored everything as great as the heritage of the club was and, you know, their infrastructure, uh, it just wasn't the right opportunity for me. Uh, but that really got me excited about, you know, could we do this here in San Diego? The biggest factors of if a professional sport can work in a town is are the people playing and are they watching? And those are a quick yes and yes here in San Diego. Both kids and adults are playing and everybody is watching. We're always in the top five of men's and women's uh, national team coverage and other you know Champions League finals, stuff like that. So we knew there was attention both locally and for on television. Um, so we knew we could do it. It just hadn't been done till since 2001, I think was the last time we had a men's professional soccer team here and not at this level. Um, so that was the mission, bring professional soccer back to San Diego uh, in a meaningful way. Uh, don't cut corners, like you've said, do everything the right way uh, and see where we could take it. Now, was there another name on the table other than Loyal or was it like so obviously Loyal out of the gate? Oh no, there were several other names. Um, some that I liked even more, but we don't have to get into that. Um, some were protected, we couldn't use, we tried to get access to, but weren't that they, they weren't given to us. Um, but really it came down to listening sessions. Once we started asking the community what they their thoughts were, um, whether they said the word loyal or not, you heard that in their response, right? There's a lot of scar tissue here from pro teams coming and going, especially recently once the Chargers had left. Um, so you you heard a lot of that, right? Don't leave us, don't, you know, uh, treat us with respect, uh, listen to us, that kind of stuff. And so loyal just was the, the resounding word that kind of came out of that. Um, it took me a little while to, to grasp that as the name of the club. Uh, it's not something you traditionally go with. Um, but once we started working, once we started putting values in place, and then obviously, well, maybe not obviously to others, but once we took a stand in that first season and we had to walk off the field in the way that we did, uh, it solidified everything we thought about what the name should be. Well, you know, you, you make global news and I think, if you don't know the story, you, the assumption is, well, Landon Donovan is your manager. Of course you make global news, but that's not really why we made global news, at least at first. Can you kind of share what was at stake and what happened in that first season? And I know we don't need, we could do a whole episode on this alone, but like, just yeah. we'll do a, a, a quick Cliff Notes version on it. Yeah. So, you know, 2020 is a difficult season to begin with. We have to shut down for a little while. We come back in a truncated version, um, but we're doing well. We have an opportunity to make the playoffs. 
uh, and we have a team uh, proximately close to us in, in, in Phoenix Rising who very quickly we developed a rivalry with. Um, they were a top Western Conference team to begin with, and we kind of came in and challenged them uh, from the jump, uh, and they noticed that. Uh, so we were playing them here in San Diego. Um, in the match previous to that, we were up in L.A., and unfortunately, a slur was hurled, a racial slur was hurled at one of our players. We, our players heard it. We acknowledged it. The referee didn't do anything, and we continued playing. Uh, when Landon spoke to the group afterwards, the consensus was, what would you have done differently? Well, what we would have done differently is uh, we would have spoke and we would have acted upon it, which is, which is what we didn't do the first time it happened. We heard it, referee heard it, but nothing really happened. Uh, so the following game was against Phoenix here in town. We talked to Phoenix about stopping the match in the 71st minute, I think it was, which is when the incident happened in the previous match. And just acknowledging with Phoenix that this is unacceptable and we need to move forward. Uh, they had agreed to it. Uh, we start playing the match and we're kicking their butts, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, and unfortunately, things got a little rough and one of their players hurled a homophobic slur at uh, a openly gay player on our team. Uh, and this time we heard it and we were going to do something about it. Uh, so it just happened right before halftime. Halftime kind of concludes the half obviously we go into the locker room and you could tell Landon's steaming I hear him talking to the guys we have you know this is 2020 right so makeshift uh locker room which is just literally a white party tent <laughs> in one of the in one of the asphalt lots and you can kind of hear the conversation but it's muffled so I don't really know what they're saying Landon comes out and he's like look the players true to who they are as athletes right they want to continue playing Right, we're 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 a win or two away from making the playoffs. We're beating one of the best teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, they said something terrible to our player, but let's go beat them even harder for that. And that was kind of the intentions that the players had. But then Landon just kind of looks at me and is like, "How can we come up with the slogan? We will speak, we will act, which is what we were going to hold on the banner in the seventy-first minute. And then when presented the opportunity to do that, we don't do that." Um, so he went back into the locker room and kind of addressed the players again with that sentiment. Uh, and they understood that that something had to change. Um, so we still gave Phoenix an opportunity to fix the problem and continue playing the match. We asked that they remove the player uh, because we believed that Phoenix and their players heard the slur and that they should acknowledge that it took place and remove the player for the second half. If they chose to do so, we would continue. If they chose not to do so, we would walk off. And that's when we walked off, uh, when they chose not to do so. Um, yeah. There's actual, I'm pretty sure this is the game. I think there's like a YouTube clip. And oh, yeah. you see you see Landon looking up, like having a conversation, which now we know it's like he's going, Andrew, Andrew. And he's trying he to tell you, to like, <laughs> we're, we're, this is like, we're, we have to get this out of the game. And yeah, that was before we walk up to the locker room and had that conversation. Nobody was in the stands. We couldn't have fans. So there was me and like three guys that do the podcast and a couple other people. And he just turned to me and, you know, like I said, you can hear everything. Right. So he's just talking to me like you were saying. Uh, and that's when I said, let's go to the locker room and, and discuss it further. And, and obviously you come back, they choose not to pull them off the field. They said they didn't hear it. Yeah, and that conversation's captured as well. Uh, and I think one of the things that makes it bigger news is when ESPN runs that video the next morning and not only runs the video, but then subtitles it. So you make sure that you don't miss any of it. 
Um, and unfortunately, the Phoenix coach is kind of trying to shake off the behavior. Let's just continue playing. It's not that big of a deal. And Landon, uh, true to himself, is not allowing that to take place. So look, I you know I know I I don't want to be the oh it's a courageous podcast here's a courageous moment but I mean this is a this was a very brave moment and uh, you know the, you you there's three points at stake there's the playoffs at stake and I think when most competitive at the highest level competitive think about the importance of winning almost at all costs the idea that we would pull the team off the field or that you would and Landon would pull the team off the field and Landon who knows all about the importance of being of greatness really the fact that it also came from him it I mean it ends up becoming national news pretty quickly yes yeah and and you know a couple days then he's on good morning America he being Landon uh with Michael Strahan and then it's on the BBC nightly news you know the next night and it you, did I think it would go worldwide like that? I don't think so. Um, maybe nationally, yes, but that was really, really something. Um, and then just to speak to it a little bit more, one of the things I've loved about getting to work with Landon is just learning how much he cares about people and an intention in him and myself in everything we've done with this club is take care of the person, right? If you take care of the person, you'll get the best player. And in this moment, if we're not looking out for the person, we're never going to have, you know, great players, and and we're not, we're not living to the values that that we hold hold so dear. My sister is gay, like she's the first person I thought of in that moment, and and how would I feel, and what would I need to do to stand up for her? Um, when you humanize it like that, and you remove the soccer ball, you realize that the decision is pretty easy. You know, I, I can't help but sit back here and go. Okay, it was fourteen hundred days. Like this whole experiment was fourteen hundred <laughs> days, but but for fourteen hundred days ago, I'm not sure if Andrew Vasilianis is saying the words "the values of the club." I'm not sure if that was in the dictionary. <laughs> but you know your glossary of terms, and no, as you think about right, you think about last version of AV and how much you've grown to this version is AV and. You've gone on this journey, right? What have you learned about yourself? Oh, wow, that's a loaded question. Uh, again, you, unfortunately, I think you were in Hawaii uh, when we had the going away party um, for the staff and the players. And I poor me, jokingly, I was in Hawaii. Oh yeah, terrible time. <laughs> uh, sorry to share your secrets here. Um, uh, I shared something with the group in jest. But also there's truth to it too. What I said was, I, I mentioned I coached. I coached at my alma mater and at another high school here uh, in San Diego for about 10 years, maybe a little longer. Uh, and there were years where that group of 12 or 13, or when it was soccer, uh, I saw 12 or 13 when it's volleyball, soccer, you know, 20 something kids in, in your in on your team, they can really beat you down. All that testosterone and all that <laughs> anger that they have, they can really put you in your place and make you feel like, how can, you know, if I can't get this group of kids to do what I want to do, how am I going to lead, you know, Shannon McMillan and Landon Donovan and, you know, in, in a serious endeavor, let alone like a high school volleyball match or a soccer match. You know? And so there was this, uh, there was this fear and trepidation of like, can you be the leader that you need to be? And the resounding answer after four years, in my opinion, is yes. 
yes, I can be. Um, I also acknowledged when I shared that story <laughs> with the group, I spent plenty of time stealing from everybody else. Um, I, I directed some attention to the players and I said to you guys, like the accountability, the responsibility, the attention to detail, like all of that was not lost on me on how important that stuff was to you. And I stole that from you guys and made sure that it became important to me in the stuff that I was doing with the club. And then I turned the same thing to the staff. Like there's incredible people. I just listed them off working for me. Like it was really easy to sit back and watch their courage, their ability to lead and just stoke up some of that and go, oh, okay, that's how you do that. Um, so that for me is the big thing coming out of this. Um, I can do it, number one. And then number two is what we worked on. Uh, I don't have to be somebody else. Uh, I can be myself and people will accept that and uh, be willing to follow me uh, on whatever the endeavor may be. I'm not fishing for compliments. I just want to make sure you provide some clarity, <laughs> some clarity on like, well, what, what exactly did, did we work on together? Yeah. So you have your courageous boot camp, and I, I still don't think we're done. I think I have homework still left <laughs> to do. Um, but really it was just, it was identifying strengths and weaknesses and then setting, you know, actionable goals and what are your personal values um what are you trying to get done with the business and then being able to identify the enemy which was fake ceo for me right trying to be somebody that i'm not uh and then finding ways to use that to my advantage and not as a weakness right so anytime i felt i felt that uh, i felt that way meaning like oh, I'm going into this big meeting with so-and-so sponsor. I have to dress a certain way or act a certain way. I needed to just check myself and say, no, being me is enough. And and that will get you through this. And, you know, 10 out of 10 times, that was the truth. Um, so that's the work we worked on. Yeah, it's funny coming out of marketing. All we're like, that's pounded into us is like, what differentiates you? And then, <laughs> but then in the real life, we do all these things to to fit in versus fit out right and right and here here you were as a a unique star i'm not i mean it's what you are and it's just like no don't try to be we're back to the top of the show like when you think of chairman what do you think of if right. you want to differentiate you know who we really remember richard branson he's not elon musk whether you <laughs> love him or not right these these guys are are not afraid to be themselves and the, in fact, the more you're yourself, the happier you're probably going to be. It, oh, so here we, here we are on this four-year arc. Um, full, I'm going to fully acknowledge that, yes, I'm going to move this show up to this week because, of course, the universe has decided that it's a championship this week. Yeah. If, yeah. if you think about progress – Year one, we walk ourselves. We 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 basically take ourselves out of playoff contention, even with sort of surrendering that win, which would have been three points, which I think would have been enough to get in. Season two, we make the playoffs. We go to San Antonio, which you and I have had a chance to see that stadium. Uh, yeah. Couldn't wait to get out of there, and we we lose two to one <laughs> in the playoffs. Season three, we finally get to host our own whole playoff game it's against oakland it was like i'd say 10 minutes before absolutely electric 10 minutes in electric and then okay we lost it wasn't it was less electric. 
And yeah. so this season, knowing and again, you you when did when did we announce that this was it? There was you maybe you could share a little bit of the, the video. Oh God, I don't even remember what month that was now. It was August. It was it was end of September, early August. Um is when we we put the video out so you know a series of conversations and announcements leading up to uh really making it public news um so yeah we were living uh quite a bit of chaos this season <laughs> starting and, um, in mid-june <laughs> and i loved how you said even on the video and it was from the heart that like yes it's grieving right as we both have beards but more than that <laughs> It you kind of once it became real, you gave yourself permission for this to be a celebration, not a funeral. And there's so many people involved, right? Like you said, there's the coaching staff, there's the front office, there are the players, there's the media. Like the amount of people from the media that covered the team, there were the fans, right? There were people who've been with us from the beginning. There's USL. You've got, uh, you've got stakeholders. You've got investors. There's all these different groups that have a invested interest in, 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 in the, in the club. And so it's a hard decision when there's 10 different groups and yet you were like, look, this is not a funeral. This has to be a celebration. We want to let's end strong. Let's honor what we've built and let's give love to the players and the coaching staff, which is, which is what the video was. And I, I actually think it felt like from my lens that you were, like liberated, like there was relief. Would you, yes, no? Yeah, no, absolutely. It was heavy, right? Delivering that message is not easy, but there's clarity, right? That's, you. we talked earlier about things that you, you've learned about yourself. One of the things that I've learned about myself is uncertainty drives me batty. Uh, not knowing what to do or not knowing what the right answer is. Uh, makes my life very difficult. Sleeping becomes a challenge. Um, but even in the hardest moments, once you know what you're doing, then you can start putting the pieces together, right? How do I move forward? What's next? Blah, blah, blah. So once that statement was out, I knew, you know, what was next. Um, and like we talked about, nobody asked for this. It wasn't anything that anybody wanted, right? Nobody wanted it to be over. And the last thing I wanted those last two months to turn into was either anger or depression when, like you said, it was an opportunity to celebrate the hard work both done on the field and off the field. Um, and there'll be plenty of time for the rest of it. And we've done some of that. Like I said, I met with the fans uh, right after the playoff loss uh, down at O'Brien's, and that was a more somber moment. And that was the appropriate part for a place for it. Um, since then, we've had a couple of meet and greets. We've had you know, going away parties for the players and the staff. And that has all felt purposeful, um, but a lot more somber, right? And I'm glad that it, it worked out the way that it did. Um, and I appreciate that the fans were able to enjoy uh, those final moments. All right, it's time for a rapid fire response, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a, a stakeholder. And what do you mean? I want... I'm going to, I'm going to mention a stakeholder. You'll see in a minute. Mm. And I'd love yeah. your, your visceral swan song response. And it could be, thank you. It could be like, just to make sure we, we cover all of our bases here. Okay. Oh, so right. if, if you want, yep. Yeah, if you want to say what's your final, final 
to the players. Oh, wow. Um, I said it to them, but you guys can hear it too. Um, there was a fan that posted, uh, this would be a longer answer than you wanted, fan that posted something online that stood out to me and I've used a lot. Uh, I don't know if what's next is better or worse, but it will never be this. And so that's something that I've been saying to the players in these final moments, right? I don't know what's next, but it'll never be this. But I changed that the last time I spoke to them before they left. I said, there's a, there's an asterisk to that. Wherever you go next, you can take what you have here and try to implement it there, right? There's no reason why that next place can't be awesome too. Uh, and so that was my final message to the players. Uh, take what you built. If you want to honor me and what we did here, try to put those roots down somewhere else in a meaningful way. That wasn't too long. It's all good. I like that answer. Okay. <laughs> all right. How, how about what do you want to say to the media? And the media, to me, it's both it could be the UT, it could be the podcast guys like Darren, who I love, you know, like Darren Smith. What do you want to say to those guys? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's different sectors. So we can nitpick about coverage and this and that and the other stuff. But all in all, I think everybody was was pretty fair to us. Uh, yeah, would I have loved more coverage from this place or that place? Sure. I'm, it would have been great. Um but when I had the opportunity to speak about the club, uh, everybody was always complimentary and fair with me. Um, so I appreciate that. For those that worked for the club, like you said, for Darren, for Jordan, for Jack, um, the way they elevated the club, right? We talked about everything we wanted to do was above board and never cutting corners and doing the right th things the right way. Um, everything we did from a broadcast standpoint was with that same thought in mind right we want to be the biggest the best the brightest um, and that's what that group that worked for us did whether it's pony jimenez the spanish broadcast or you know our english broadcast and the rest of the group doing pre and post and podcasts and all that kind of stuff um it really helped amplify who we were um and then like we talked about when we got bigger stories that provided bigger coverage uh those outlets were were incredible to us as well so Hey, a few times a year, you're on a plane to go have meetings with the USL brass, right? There's a couple off sites. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what do you want to say to the the USL brass? And it could be owners of those teams. It could be their leadership team. Yeah, I I think, you know, people will look at what happened here in San Diego and maybe their first reaction is like, oh, the USL is doomed, right? They have no chance. And I really don't believe that to be the case. I, I do think there is an opportunity for USL. Um, and I think if you look at their more recent additions or where they're projecting to add clubs into the league, uh, they are in cities that MLS is not going to be going into. Uh, and I think that's the right intention, right? If MLS is going to fill certain pockets, Fill in the rest and find those other markets that can be supportive um, and, you know, find good owners. There there are some great owners in the USL. There needs to be more, in my opinion, great ones, uh, if the league is going to be successful. All right. Let, let's address the front office. And, you know, you had a chance to go speak there. But if you were going to sort of give a final cap tip thought to them, what would that be? Yeah. Um, it all... It all starts and ends with Ricardo, in my opinion. Um, there were 
there were times where I said, you know, I want this place to be run a certain way and, and our value should be this and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it wasn't necessarily being acted on. And Ricardo was given the opportunity to become president. And he not only took what we were trying to do, but just built on it and made such a safe and incredible environment in the office. Whenever an employee would come to me and say, uh, I feel heard here. I feel welcomed here. I've never felt supported uh, like I have before. Um, that was him. That was his work and everything that he did. Um, so his ability to not only get the soccer job done, uh, but to create an impactful and meaningful office that in sh four short years, what did you say, 1400 days, uh, did some incredible work in our community that was felt uh, from the border all the way up you know, to Oceanside. Um, the second part of that, and it's just as important, if not more important, uh, when we spoke to staff and players at the end, it was very, very important for me to call this out. Uh, the women that we have, the women that we had at this office and down at the training facility were incredible. Uh, and several of them had the opportunity when the San Diego wave came to town uh, to jump ship and join, you know, what was going on over there. Uh, and all of them chose to stay. Um, and that showed that the believe they believed in Ricardo, they believed in myself and what we were trying to do here. Um, so to those women, thank you for making our workspace a more incredible place. And, and again, it's like I think about Shannon and there's there's Travis um, for marketing, Stephanie, Russ, Josh, Nick. You know, I'm just thinking about those who have been along for the ride. Any any last thoughts for that full group? Yeah, you know, uh, I would try to hammer this home at least once a year, uh, but I don't know if I did a good, good enough job thanking them at the end. Um, anytime they stepped out, whether it was wearing a San Diego loyal, uh, you know, polo or something, or even in their personal life, they were a representation of me in our community. Uh, and they always made me proud of how they acted, how they interacted, uh, with the people that they were, they were helping. Um, so just a thank you for, for representing my family and their name in a meaningful way. All right. Got to do soccer ops as well. So, and. Uh, this is a big group, but so I, I, I'm going to miss too many because I was always on the front office side. But like, you know, I think about the job that Nate Miller's done the last couple of years. Obviously, Landon really kind of to me feels like he was the glue between both universes. Matt Hall, uh, Beto. I mean, there's there's so just too many, and and to be truthful, like I don't know all of them. So like, what's your when you when you address the players, do you also address soccer ops? Yeah, I did a little bit um, and reflecting, I probably should have done a little bit more, uh, but it goes back into the, the professionalism and, and building a proper soccer club. When people have asked me uh, after the last playoff game, I did a series of, you know, local TV interviews and everybody would either start or end with, you know, how do you encapsulate this whole thing? <laughs> which is not very easy to do, but I, I found myself giving them the same answer, which was, we, we created a proper soccer club from the front office to the soccer ops staff uh, to everything we did in the stadium. Um, and so that's, you know, my tip of the cap to them. Uh, I think between Landon and Nate Miller, we, we implemented a system in the USL that is now kind of being copycatted around the league and more teams are trying, trying to be more aggressive and more attacking when before they weren't necessarily doing that. And I would like to believe that we had, uh, something to do with it. There are other teams that are obviously, uh, uh, you know, affecting the game the same way in our league. Uh, but I believe we were at the forefront of that. 
uh, for the entire time. Uh, making the playoffs three out of four years is is no easy feat. Um, even some of the best teams of the league who've won the championship don't necessarily do that three years in a row. Um, so that's something that's not lost on me whatsoever. Um, but yeah, just the way that we did the way we traveled again, I spoke about the staff and, and being a reflection, right? When those guys travel, when that team is somewhere else, they're representing me. Um, and I never heard about, you know, oh, they're being a bunch of knuckleheads or they, they had this fight or this problem here or there. Um, they were a class act all the time. Um, and I'll be grateful for that. I'm curious, uh, what your final words would be to the supporter groups? Oh man. <laughs> so, uh, this isn't really a great answer, but I like sharing the story. Um, I put my son to sleep most nights and it is a completely black room with two sound machines going on. Like can't see your hand in front of the face and you're trying to get him to go to sleep. And I usually have like, some song from Moana or wheels on the bus or something stuck in my head. Uh, and ever since that last playoff game, every night that I've put him down to sleep, all I can hear is them singing. I, I'm not lying. It's not intentional. It is just what is in my head. Um, so what I said to them or what I've said to them in the past is something that I would say now. Uh, if I wasn't on this side of it, I would have been there with them. Right. Uh, there's some photos that are out there with with me with no shirt on in those final matches, standing in section 109, going crazy. Uh, there would have been more of that. Um, I would have just been more involved on the supporter culture side. To speak to them for a second, they created something in our league that was a source of jealousy from every other club. Right. Anytime I traveled, anytime I talked to another executive from another club, the first or second question was, how did you build a supporters culture so quickly? And so, you know, organically uh, and really what uh, the, the answer was, we just opened the door. Uh, we talked earlier about people watching and loving soccer in this community. They've been waiting 20 years in O'Brien's in that pub for a team to support. And then we gave them that team and then they just poured their heart into it. Uh, people will say, you know, wonderful things about the club. And they'll say, you know, you poured your heart into that. And it's absolutely true. They did the same exact thing. And that's what you saw was the marriage of the two. Uh, and it, it made for an incredible atmosphere. Um, the wave may draw 20 some, 20 some thousand people, but the atmosphere that they created in the 6,000 person stadium uh, is unmatched. It was special. It, it, it sounds silly to say it really does. But you had to be there. I've never liked using that statement, but it is one of those moments like to really understand what they were and how they did it. You had to be there. It was special. Tricky question. You've got this as San Diego, this new San Diego MLS leadership team. And I mean, you've learned a lot over the last four years. And I'm really happy that Ricardo is there because I feel like it's almost the same sort of nugget you gave the players right like take a little bit of this and take right. it there i have i have a lot of confidence now that he's there that he might value things differently and, and can make an impact there with that group i mean that's not a small stadium to fill i'm excited for what's to come we always said right hey we wanted to bring professional soccer here we did they're going to build on top of that, 
right? And there's there's excitement for soccer in this market. So if you're going to give that team some advice, or what are your what are your thoughts? Like what is in the spirit of what do you say to the players? What do you say to the media? What do you say to USL brass? And you had a chance to kind of give them a minute of insight. What what would it be? They have every opportunity to 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 win here, right? They have every opportunity to take what we have and build on top of that. The goodwill, I mean. Um, people have said to me, well, well, you've set the bar so high, and how can an organization that's so big accomplish so, you know, the things that you you guys did? And I just, I look at it the other way. If you have the resources that they have, if you have the influence that they have, then why can't you make the impact uh, that we were making? Um, I really hope that Right to Dream like the way they are talking is going to come to town and build a meaningful academy full of kids that are from this region. If that academy is around for a long time and not full of kids from this region, I don't think that's a great look. Um, but I think they're smart enough to understand that. So really it's take what we've done, build upon that, um, continue to be authentic and listen. Um, don't just say you're listening. Um, and then I think most importantly, people want to know, who Cody Martinez is from Saquon and who Lutfi Mansoor is from Right to Dream. And the more that they put themselves out there and let people get to know them, the more comfortable people will be with their product. And I think that's what I allowed uh, fans to do with me is get to know me and understand my intentions. Um, and that helped in the process. And I think right now people have a lot of questions. What's coming to town? What is Right to Dream? Why are they coming? Why do they want to be here? And the more that the two of them can get people to know them and not just right to dream or just Saquon, I think is, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I, I throw Tom Penn in there too. And this is, this is not to yeah. like, this is not to knock or like, you know, anybody it's people want to know who you really are. And, and I think it's one of my, uh, this is a very much a Bermanism, but you know me well enough now that I can go there a lot of the times when we talk about narratives, the thing I always talk about when you pull the the Ryan Berman string is, hey, we, we my company, we're like a little special forces unit that helps you figure out your special and then help you bring to life that special. And we're loyal. You guys had already landed on loyalty, but we were like, hey, loyalty isn't just earned, it's grown. And what I loved about you and Ricardo is you took it and you operationalized it and grow loyalty became a thing that Ricardo would challenge the staff on. And every week they'd have to provide back their grow loyalty moments. And they had permission to grow loyalty. If you wanted to change someone's seat and move it down, move somebody down front. If you wanted to give away a Jersey for free blasphemy, right? Like, no, that's $50 <laughs> to make a, 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 a lifelong fan. What, how are you going to grow loyalty in the market? And, if it's a snowball, the job is to make sure that loyalty snowball continues to grow. I felt like what really made loyal special was every decision we made. When we say things like we don't, we aren't going to cut corners. It was always about growing loyalty with the fans and making them feel special and making them feel loved. And I hope that this MLS leadership team doesn't just play by the rules of what they know in the past, which is Europe and a little bit of LA, but that this language is different down here and the way that they can show up and make us feel special. You crushed it. They have the resources to do it. 
the money and yeah. the business will come if you make us feel like this is our club and this is our team and they've got my they've really got my back so i'm excited to see that is, is that is that building on what you're saying or is it something yeah different? no absolutely uh, i'll share a story and then kind of piggyback off of what you're saying there was a fan forget about when mls has come to town in san diego he made this comment uh two years two years ago to me uh he's a loyal fan he was a loyal fan since the day we kicked off but before that he was a galaxy fan and he said, Andrew, the biggest difference I feel between they were season ticket members of the Galaxy uh, between there and here is I feel like a person here. There, I felt like a number. I was just a part of their season ticket database. And that was it. Um, and I think that's that's what I'm speaking to. Right. Don't treat people like numbers. Really bring them in and make them feel feel a part of the club. Uh, one of the things you talked about special moments. I loved bringing fans down on the field uh, pregame to watch warm-ups, right? You see the the 12-year-old uh, daughter or son standing up there and their eyes are as wide as saucers and they just want to get closer to the game. And you just go up there and you grab them and you bring them down. Uh, you can't tell me you can't have a team of 10 people walking around Snapdragon, grabbing somebody and bringing them down uh, pitch side. Okay, maybe they can't get as close. Maybe they don't have as much access as we were able, able to provide. But there's so many easy little ways to touch people's uh, days and moments like that, uh, that just change it. Uh, you, you realize very quickly how much love fans have for these players. And if you can make them feel that in return in just the slightest way, uh, it means a lot to them. It really does. All right, last, last two, and then... I got to get back on the courageous train here and ask, uh, what, what are you afraid of for your what's next? So that's me. It's my way of saying I'm seating, but giving you time to got think it. about it. Uh, all right. So, you know, the supporter groups are one thing, but the fans are 109 is one squad. There's a lot of fans. So like, what's your takeaway yeah. for the fans? Uh, just how, educated we are as a fan base when it comes to the game of soccer um i'll give you an example we went to a match down south i, I don't need to call out the team uh because that's not fair uh and i brought a group of friends with me and they noticed something very different that was happening in that match than happens in our match and what was happening was is there was an mc that throughout the match was trying to fire up the crowd trying to tell them about you know, this upcoming corner kick or this next thing that was about to happen. And they're like, why are they doing that? And I had to, I had to have them think for a bit, little bit. I was like, outside of this soccer team here, what do they have? They have high school football. They've got college football and basketball out here. So they're used to that sort of atmosphere in the stadium. They're not used to a traditional soccer atmosphere in the stadium. That's what was different when you came to Torero. This was real soccer. I talked about the relationship of uh, Phoenix Rising and San Diego Loyal not being the best. Uh, we we ended up getting knocked out of the playoffs in this final season by Phoenix. Um, they did it to us in our own home. They, they sunsetted the club. Uh, not something that I wanted to happen, but after it was all said and done, their executives that were on the field came up to me and said, Andrew, this is a, a devastating tragedy for the league. He's like, what we saw tonight is is real soccer culture uh, and real soccer environment here. Um, and I think that's, that's what made it so special is that everybody understood the game, what was at stake, how important it was, 
you know, we had the chant, we are San Diego, that was started by the supporters groups and then done by the entire stadium. Um, you didn't see that other places that we went. Um, so just a, a, a bravo to just everybody who just really bought into soccer culture. Uh, another example is Glory Magazine, right? Publication from the UK comes out. They spend a week with our supporters and our fans and they come back and tell us, you know, we fall in love faster here than we have anywhere else. Um, and that means something when you hear it. All right. Last, last shout out. So you've had a pretty good and intimate supporters network yourself with friends and family. So what, what do you want to, <laughs> what do you want to say to that group? Yeah. Um, I said very early on in this podcast, uh, when you said, take yourself back to the beginning, we were planning a wedding, uh, when we started this whole entire thing. Uh, so my, at the time fiance and now wife and mother to soon to be two, two children, um, from the very jump of this whole thing, never put herself first and continued to do that for four years. Um, so I definitely didn't say thank you enough to her along the process. Uh, and now knowing that I have more time on my plate and that we will be having a new baby in May, uh, probably late April, uh, I will definitely lead with the intention of, of trying to put her first uh, and making sure that her needs are met because it will not be lost on me, you know, what she did for me during that process. Uh, and then to the larger group, it was, it was the support and the love throughout the process, whether it was, you know, two years ago when everything was going great, it was just like, Hey, we love coming to games. We love being a part of this to this year. You know, how can we help? How can we be supportive? How can we get you through this? Um, so yeah, just grateful. Uh, you know, it's one of those moments that you find out who's really with you. <laughs> um, but it, it was, uh, it's something I'll, I'll look back to and, and, and be grateful for that video. Uh, that you saw in Las Vegas uh, with friends and family, concluding with my mom, uh, is something I'll remember forever. Yeah. Now, will loyal Vasiliadis, uh little girls come? Oh, I'm sorry. Will loyal be a <laughs> the, the the middle name or the first name? Has that been decided yet? No, I think the middle name will start with an L, but it's not going to be loyal, as far as I've been told so far. <laughs> L, I like I like LLV. That's that's cute. All right. So I, I, look, I, I I know I know things are still raw, but any any inklings of like, I know the, the easy answer on this is going to be well, you're going to new baby's coming and you're going to put your energy there. But have you put any thought yet into? Okay, what else? And is it for San Diego? Is it bigger? Is it than, than just San Diego? Or any? Any early thoughts? No, it, it's definitely for San Diego, right? Yes, spend time with the family and, and do that, like we talked about. Um, I'm still, our, our family is still very philanthropic. So every year there are uh, needs that meet, need to be met through the foundation. Um, so getting more work done there, getting more intimately involved there, uh, I think will be important. Um, as I look to my son, Son and now daughter's future, uh, probably getting involved back at my old high school, Francis Parker, uh, and maybe looking at the board and sitting with them uh, makes a lot of sense at this point in time for me. Um, and then with the intention we had with the club, I mentioned before, you know, make San Diego an even, even better place to live, work, and play. Uh, that will be the intention of the next mission. Uh, through the work I did with you, 
we both discovered that I enjoy entertaining people, whether it was the 15 years of DJing or with this soccer club. And so I don't see myself venturing far away from that um, as far as what I would like to do. Um, I, luckily, I'm in a position to take some time and make sure that the, the next move is right. Uh, but I'm excited for it. Uh, and I think that the work that I've done here uh, will only help in whatever's next. Well, I guess I got to ask you, this is one of the reasons we're going to move this episode to this week. Of course, Phoenix is in the final, right? And like, <laughs> the, the, of, co- of course, I figured out as the sixth seed. And, and let me just say this. I, I have no doubt if you've made it this far into this episode that, you know, because this is a bit of a special episode, just to use that word. It's not a norm, my normal episode. And it, it, it has been a little more, more on like memory lane, which means you probably really care about Loyal. You you know Andrew, you've been to a game. It's probably more San Diego centric. I'd say 20% probably, you know, they're I'm grateful because they're fans of the podcast and they, they've stayed with this. And it is a courageous story. It, it, it's been a, there is no failure on this. To me, it's amazing what we've done. And, you know, I study movie structures. Like this is exactly the structure of a great movie where the protagonist thinks the treasure is one thing and it turns out to be something else. And this is me riffing on the spot. This is not a written thing, AV, but it's like, yes, you wanted to win the championship, but really you won yourself. Like you, you won over who you are here. That's, that is the big victory and winning winning was winning not just by yourself but with the market and with San Diego and like I said I'm so grateful to have a small role in all of that to be able to like meet with with you in the ELT every week and it was all also almost always like on the podium for my most fun moment of my week if I'm honest yeah, which agreed. which is always fun to hang so one Charleston versus Phoenix. It's what day? It's Saturday. I think it's Saturday. Yeah. Well, are you going to watch? And who's going to win? What's the score? I'll watch, and I don't want to sound like the Phoenix hater, uh, but I, <sighs> I thought Sacramento would get them, and they didn't. Um, but I, I don't know if two overtime games plus a tough game against Sacramento, and then traveling across the country is going to be easy. Uh, they've got great goal scorers in Danny Trejo uh, and a couple of other guys that they have there. Um, but I also have to think about guys who played for Loyal. Uh, Trey Muse is the goalkeeper out in Charleston, and Augie Williams, Augustine Williams, uh, played for San Diego Loyal as well. Um, so you have to, you know, kind of back those guys to win it all. Um, and a friend of mine texted me um, when he saw what the finals matchup was. He was at Phoenix on the road and he was at Charleston at the road with me this year. And I agree with the text he sent. He said, uh, Charleston was a much kinder place uh, than Phoenix was. And I agree with that. They were really, really sweet to us when we were there. And so I think I have to pull for Charleston uh, in this finals matchup. Again, I'm sure the... But if Phoenix was to win, not surprised. (laughs) Like They have the talent and the ability to do it. They do. That's why they're there. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thank you all for, for sticking around, especially if soccer isn't like your number one. And to me, this is bigger than soccer. There's a there's a, a great human story here, and it's been so great for the community. So for me to you, man, th- thank you for letting me play a small role in all this. Oh, thank you for being a big part of all of this. I appreciate it. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Courageous Podcast. If you enjoy the show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. See you again next week.